friends. Welcome back to Hold Up, Let Me Explain. I'm your host, Nicole, here to talk to you about the time this guy slashed my tires. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. So grab your coffee or wine, put your seatbelt on if you're driving, and keep up because this is a good story. Now before I get into it, I want to make sure that when I tell the story, I leave out particular names so I'll be referring to the psycho I dated who slashed my tires as this guy. So anytime I say this guy, it'll obviously be about the person I'm talking about. I also want to point out that this story took place years ago. I'm 28 years old, and this happened to me when I was 22. After I explain certain things to you, I'll remind you of my age so you understand how naive I was at this time. And most importantly, I want to make very clear that I am in no way in contact with this person anymore. I have not spoken to this person or even seen this person for over six years. And just in case anyone needs to hear this, if this guy comes close to talking to me or harassing me, he automatically goes to jail. Yes, my friends, it was that serious. So to avoid getting off track, I outline this story in a way that gets to the point because if you've ever talked to me in person, like many of us do, I say three side stories in between moments of my current story, taking me approximately four hours to give you the point of the story. So I promise not to leave anything out, but I will make sure to hit the main points that lead up to the moment that got very scary and real. So this guy was a transfer. That's how we met. Now, the restaurant that I worked at at the time, a lot of people would transfer in, get hired, but my job at the time recycled a lot of people. Nobody ever really lasted. So anytime there was a new person at the place, we never really paid much attention to it. It's kind of like a new person started and it was like, oh, let's see how long this person lasts kind of thing. So when he first transferred in, I didn't really pay no mind attention to him. And to be quite frank, I was not attracted to him either. Um, I mean, sure, he was like really tall, but for the most part, I was just sort of like, okay, whatever. Now, within the weeks of him starting out, we were scheduled around the same section, so eventually we started talking, and I have to say that he was really funny, and I think that's what kind of hooked me with our friendship in the very beginning, was the fact that he made me laugh. He was from New York, we were actually from the same neighborhood, which is kind of rare, and right off the rip, we hit it off. We exchanged numbers, and we started texting. So that's pretty much was the start of our friendship. I remember a few weeks afterwards, I ended up going to New York for vacation and we texted the whole time. And while I'm there, we're texting. And I just want to add or just want to say that when I say him and I were texting, literally that's all it was. We were just texting. We were joking. You know, it was very platonic. Like, good morning. How's your day? What are you up to? I work today. It sucked. I barely made money. Like conversations were very minimal. No sexting, no pictures. Like don't get it twisted. It was literally just two people texting each other like normal. As I'm in New York, he eventually asks me out on a date. He says, you know, when you come back from New York, I would love to take you out for drinks. And obviously at this point, it's very clear that we're on the same wavelength. I'm attracted to you. You're attracted to me. You know, we have good conversation. Like, let's kind of see where this is going kind of thing. I don't have to 
explain the basics, but you get at this point, there is somewhat of an interest. So I agreed, I'm excited, whatever. So fast forward when I come back from New York, a situation had happened where I got into a fight with a friend. I don't know, I can't remember if it was my friend, my mom, my sister, I don't know, but I got into an argument with someone. And when I'm emotionally impacted by something, like if I'm thrown off, I shut down. I don't really like to be around people. I just like to be alone. So when I got back from New York, that day we were supposed to go out for drinks. But because of this argument that I had with somebody, I just wasn't in the mood. So I remember I texted him and I was like, hey, I know we made plans today to grab drinks, but such and such happened and I'm just not in the mood. I think I'm just going to stay in. Let's reschedule. So sure, I was canceling on him, but I wasn't canceling on him. Like I didn't want to go out with him, period. I just wanted to reschedule. His response was more like, oh, but why? But what's the matter? You know, let's go out for drinks anyway. Let me, you know, let me make you feel better. Don't worry about it. It's on me. And as much as I appreciated the, you know, his insistence or persistence, I just don't operate that way. You know, when I'm emotional like that, I don't like to drink away my problems. I mean, yeah, sure. If I'm stressed out, I'd love to grab a drink and to vent. But in moments like this, all I wanted to do was wrap my body in a cocoon of blankets and just binge watch on Netflix. So again, I had to kind of shut him down. And I just said, I'm really sorry, but I just need to take this time by myself. Locked my phone, threw it in my purse. I want to say about three hours later, I remember checking my phone and no lie, no lie, I had about 15 missed calls, 12 text messages back to back to back. Now, when I say 12 text messages, I'm not talking about, you know, like when you text somebody and they send you like literally 30 text messages that seriously make up three sentences because they just sent one word after the other. Yeah, no, this was not that. This was paragraphs on paragraphs on paragraphs. Can you tell I'm talking about my hands because I keep clapping? <laughs> paragraphs on paragraphs on paragraphs of him going in on me, saying things like, oh, you're so self-absorbed, you're so selfish, we made plans and you're going to go and cancel on me? Like, are you really that so focused on yourself that you can't even consider the fact that you've let me down? That says a lot about you. Like, he deadass took me rescheduling because it's not like I stood him up it's not like I just kind of flipped the switch and said I don't want to date you I don't want to go on a date with you I don't like you like no that was not me it was just hey I'm going through something let's reschedule I can't tonight and he literally took it so personal and reacted this way now a normal person who was going through something and received text messages like that from a guy they've never hung out with outside of work, just texting, at this point of our friendship, it had only been like, I want to say a two to three week span, barely, because he was still pretty new. Any person that would get a reaction like that from a guy would run away. They would see that and think, holy shit, this guy's crazy. I need to run. Nicole over here, mm -mm. she literally saw that and laughed. Okay, guys, let me remind you, I'm 22 years old at the time. I literally read those text messages and I laughed. I thought 
it was so funny that this guy I hadn't kissed, hadn't hooked up with, have only been texting, was so pressed that I canceled on him just to grab drinks and was so bent out of shape for it. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny because in my mind, I felt like I had all the power. Oh, look at me. I haven't even done shit with this guy. And he's so pressed. He's so stressed over me. Like I really got him inside out. I have all the pussy power. Literally, that is how I registered in my head. And I also thought to myself, wow, this guy likes me a lot. (laughs) Never mind that he's crazy. Never mind that he's emotionally unstable to the point that he would text me 12 times and call me back to back 15 times. No, no. Nicole registered that psychotic behavior as or into, oh my God, he likes me a lot. I have all the power in the world because I have this guy so bent out of shape because I canceled on him and he likes me so much. Yeah, guys, we're not starting off on a good start, but I have to be honest with you. This is how this registered in my head. So when I saw these messages, I didn't respond, but something inside of me felt very validated and I held on to that. So that was the first huge red flag. So fast forward to the next day, I go to work and he's there and he is so embarrassed. He's apologizing to me that, you know, that last night he had went out drinking with some friends. He was in his feels. It's just that he really likes me and he just didn't know how to like place his feelings. And he was just so sorry. And that wasn't like him. If I could forgive him. So I brushed it off and I said, oh, you know, we all go through our, our, you know, fucked up moments when we're, when we're drinking, you know, I'm guilty of that too. Not that I would ever act like that. But at the moment I, you know, I forgave him. I let it, I brushed it off. I said, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Even though deep down I was still feeling good about it. Um, and still thinking it was funny. I just kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt and was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just, you know, don't act like that, but it's all good. You know, kind of left it at that. But if I could kind of piggyback off from that time until things started to get serious there were other little red flags that yes I can bring up to you and I could talk about and analyze uh, but then at that point I would just bore you so the way that things started to really come to light on his issues came from drinking now I'm in the hospitality industry And I've been in it for a very long time. And everybody drinks. Okay, if you're familiar with the hospitality industry, and I'm only speaking from experience because I've been in the hospitality industry for over 12 years. So again, I cannot speak for all industries. I can't speak for everybody who works at a restaurant. I also can't say that this is the only industry that has alcoholics. Uh, You know, I know that other industries have their own thing. But again, I'm speaking from experience. Working in hospitality, everybody drinks. It's kind of the only way we're able to blow steam off, especially after work. We work in an industry where we're in constant service of other people. We apologize for things that aren't, that isn't our fault. We're, you know, putting ourselves down to make people feel up. I mean, I could literally go on a tangent on this particular topic, but I'm not. But I just need to point out that in this industry, take a shot every time I say industry, (laughs) in this industry, everybody drinks, okay? So when I first met him and whenever anybody of our coworkers would go out for drinks, it wasn't 
not normal for people to, you know, take shots and drink and drink a lot of beer and drink heavily. I mean, I, I drink. I drink. I mean, I don't drink, 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 but I, you know, I drink. And, you know, for him, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Again, I'm also 22. It's only been a year that I've been able to legally drink at a bar. <laughs> so what I saw on the front row, I figure was normal. But it wasn't until, I, you know, we started hooking up and I would go to his house that I would find empty liquor bottles around his house. Granted, he had a roommate. However, this guy had these empty bottles in his room. And he also occasionally popped pills. Yeah, I know. Again, guys, I'm 22. <laughs> I have standards today. Please trust me. But at the time, you know, this is just what it was. And... That's how I started to notice. I kind of excused it, didn't see anything wrong with it, even though there was a lot of things wrong with it. But this is another thing. This guy was very much older than me. I was 22 and I can't remember, but I think he was like 28 or 29. I know he was closer to 30. That's crazy thinking now he's probably closer to 40. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, I would just find empty liquor bottles in his room and you know, he was he was an older guy, so I kind of just like shrugged it off. But even with all the alcoholism that I clearly witnessed, he was also very abusive. I'll give you an example. And I cringe when I say relationship because I it was barely that. I mean, yeah, it was an unspoken rule that we were, you know, monogamous. We were only hooking up with each other. All of our time off, we were together. And if we weren't, it was either I was working or he was out or vice versa. But for the most part, we practically spent almost every night together. Um, so we never really needed to have the conversation. And I never wanted to be the one to bring it up to kind of press at the fact that, oh, you know, you know, are we a boyfriend and girlfriend? Because to be fair, before him, I was in a relationship with somebody that didn't quite, I mean, it's not that it didn't end well, but I was still kind of traumatized by it. So I wasn't, you know, asking to be in a relationship. I was okay with what it was. However, this guy always felt the need to point out to me that he's not my boyfriend. So for example, like if we were hanging out or let's say we were drinking or I insinuate like, oh yeah, like let's go to this bar to grab a drink or let's grab some food. He would say things like, oh, well, I'm not your boyfriend. Or if he got way too drunk, for example, I feel like that's a better example. When he would get really drunk, and he decided to be an asshole, he would then kind of say to me like, you're not my girlfriend and I'm not your boyfriend. So make sure you know that. Which I used to think was so pointless of him to have to bring up because, bro, I'm not fucking asking. <laughs> like at this point, from the moment that we started hooking up, you know, so like we were texting about like four weeks. We started hooking up. At this point, it's probably like th two to three weeks in of just hooking up, he was already saying things like, I'm not your boyfriend. I'm not your boyfriend. Which, I mean, I didn't care, but I just found it weird that you would feel the need to have to say it to me. But would also do things that go through my phone when I wasn't looking, accuse me of doing things behind his back. So it's kind of like, even though I wasn't 
I mean, yes, I was young, but you know, I know what it's like to be cheated on. So I, at the time, like I, it wasn't in my blood. It wasn't in my mind. You know, people at work started to pick up that the fact that, you know, we, that something was going on between us. No one really knew right away. But, you know, people at work knew we were flirting and we were friends. And, you know, I think maybe two of my friends knew that, you know, the, the, the fact that we were hooking up on the low low. Like, yeah, like, sure, my friends knew. But, you know, again, he was still fairly new. So for him to throw in my face, I'm not your boyfriend, but then feel some type of way if I hung out with my friends or felt the need to go through my phone, it just felt very contradicting. So things like that would happen. And I noticed that a lot of these things would happen when he would drink. I remember there was an incident where I got very sick. I think I caught a cold or something, had a fever. I was really sick. And at the time, I was going to his house a lot. He lived very, very far from where I lived. Um, where we worked was sort of like the middle point. But leaving from my house to his was a very far drive. He practically lived two counties over. Yeah, your girl drove like practically an hour to go to this guy's house. Not proud of it, but this is the truth. So I was going out to his house a lot. Anyway, I got really sick and my mom was like, listen, you cannot leave this house. Like you need to take care of yourself. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you soup. I'm going to give you medicine. Like you just need to relax. Like if you're thinking about driving anywhere, like that is not an option tonight. Like you need to stay put. And you know, I listened and she was absolutely right. I needed to work on getting better. And I remember that night he kept texting me and texting me and he was downtown drinking, super drunk and oh God, excuse me guys. I'm okay. Wait, side note. I decided to grab myself a drink because shit is getting, it's going to start getting real. And I just wanted, you know, like a little drink to sip on. And we got blue moon mango wheat. Mm. Mm -mm. Just don't do it. If you like it, okay. Okay. But just don't do it. It's fucking nasty. All right. Back to the story. So he kept texting me. He was downtown, drunk AF, and he kept saying that he needed me to come get him. He said that he had went down there with a friend or, yeah, he had went down there with a friend and they left him. So he's walking around downtown and he needs a ride and he really needs to see me. And I remember responding like, look, I'm really sorry that you're going through this right now, but like, I'm sick in bed. Like, I cannot leave. And this is the thing. At this point, of our, I, again, I don't want to say relationship. I'll just call it an entanglement because I mean, it fucking was, but, or maybe not. Cause I feel like entanglement has so many definitions, whatever it was that we had going on at this point, I already knew, like, it was very clear that he had a drinking problem, that he was borderline abusive and that he was very manipulative. Little things like that were starting to become very clear. So when he had called me about his situation, I honestly just heard that and thought to myself, like, you know, like, no, you're a grown ass man. You're about to be 30. Fucking figure it out. Call your friend. Call an Uber. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I like I'm sick in bed. And of course, he made me feel like shit and was like, oh, you know, you're 
You're so selfish. Like, you're really going to leave me stranded out here without a car. I've been drinking and my friends leave me. And are you serious? Like, you can't even get in the car and just come pick me up. It's not that hard. So, of course. And I only say of course because at this time, I'm, listen, now, yo, bro, I would have fuck, I would have gone in on his ass. And, you know, I think about the stuff I've been through when I was young and it's only, it's big, it's okay. I obviously, just like anyone else, am the way I am now because of the BS like that I dealt with in the past where I would allow people to control me and tell me what to do or make me feel like I was being a bad person for not putting, you know, for not putting myself or for putting myself first. Obviously, Nicole now would have handled that very differently. I mean, this man would have been blocked from day one. Um, but obviously, at the time, it got to me and I ended up getting out of bed. My mom was so pissed. She was like, where do you think you're going? And I had to give her somewhat of a story and like, oh, my friend is drunk and stranded and I need to help her. And, you know, I, I lied to my mom because if I would have told her the real storyline, she would have been like, what? No, give me your phone. I mean, my mom's not controlling, but just to look out for her daughter, she would never allow her daughter to be that naive, to feel guilt-tripped by a fucking alcoholic, pill-popping, nearly 30-year-old, making a 22-year-old feel guilty for staying in bed because she was sick, you know? So... I remember I went ahead and I got him and even like that, like I couldn't find him anywhere. And then even after I picked him up, he, he like cursed me out. Like he got in his feels again. Like it's just, it became very toxic. So then it got to a point where at this point of our relationship, entanglement, friendship, whatever, at this point, it's only been three months. Like now we're entering the third month. And I'm getting exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. You know, this guy, he's, he's garbage. You know, like, he, I, I, I can't deal with him anymore. So now I'm trying to break things off. So I remember kind of texting him and I'm just like, hey, look, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I really like you, but between your drinking and the way that you talk to me and the drama, like, I, I don't like this. I can't do this. I'm really sorry. I mean, we'll be cordial at work. Like, no, no drama. Like, you know, I, I want us to be good, but I just don't see this going any further. And he would kind of just like blow me off when I would kind of approach him with that. And then the next day he would say things like, you know, I really thought about it and I really like you. Um, and I do have a problem. I'm an alcoholic and I'm going to get better. I promise. Because this is the thing also that I forgot to mention when he would come to work because I've seen it. And he's also sent me pictures. He would drink. I want to say, oh, I wish I knew the ounces, but like, you know when you go to a liquor store and you see like the small liquor bottles? I'm not talking about the little, little ones that are like $1.50 by the register. No, I'm talking about the small ones behind the register. They're about maybe like 12 ounces, 16 ounces. They're little. They go about, depending on the brand, they go about like $25 to $32 depending. Well, I remember he would chug, no lie, one of those bottles of, for example, Bacardi, because I've seen him and sent me a picture of a whole one mask the smell of alcohol with cologne all over his body, pop like eight sticks of gum in his mouth and 
go to work just to mask the alcohol smell. He was a functioning alcoholic and a functioning alcoholic means somebody who can literally not be normal unless they drink. So if he didn't drink, his body will automatically go into withdrawals. And that's how I knew if he either drank that day or didn't drink that day. And it was very severe when he would drink, when he would not drink, his stomach would hurt, he would sweat, he would throw up, like it would get really bad. So also knowing the severity of his alcoholism, it was also something I didn't really want to be a part of. So whenever he would kind of keep me there, he would say things like, you know, I, I promise like I'm going to get better. I'm going to go to rehab, but I need you in my corner. I can't do this without you in my corner. So of course, 22 years old, I, I, I believed him. And you know, I had only known this guy for about three months at this point, and it was very heavy. And it also kind of made me realize how hard it is for people who are in love with their partners who have addiction and why they feel like they can, like they feel stuck. Me being with this guy within three months, I didn't love him. Did I say I love him while being with him? I might have, but I started to become afraid of him and also I felt like he needed me and I didn't want to abandon him like I cared about him a lot so when he would say things like you know I need you in my corner I need this I need that I, I believed it and I stuck around more, longer than I should have but I did but obviously from that moment it would get worse and worse and worse now I remember during this process, people used to ask me, are you scared? Now, I wasn't scared of him. And this is the part that you're going to, you're going to look at me a little differently. So I'm going to try my best to explain this as best as I can. Before this guy, I had dated about two other guys that didn't care about me. Yeah, they cared about me. I mean, obviously they cared enough to make me their girlfriend, but they didn't care about me in the sense that if I fought with them, they didn't fight back. If something bothered me, it was like it went through one ear out the other. And so with this guy, it felt very different because if I was upset or if I didn't want to talk to him, he would go batshit crazy. And I think that's why I also kind of registered his toxic ways into effort. I thought to myself, well, he's putting an effort. He cares about me. He wants to be with me. He doesn't want to lose me. Look at all, look at the way he's acting. It cle it's clearly because he cares. So anytime he would get really crazy on me, I didn't, I wasn't afraid of him. I, it didn't scare me. It, again, it validated me. So I remember there was an incident where we were in his apartment and we got into an argument. He was being very explosive because he had been drinking. And I remember trying to leave his apartment and he grabbed my arm. And, you know, again, it didn't scare me. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a violent person, but I've also experienced a lot in my childhood. Um, I'm not going to get into that too much. But things like that, that it's just like, okay, like, you know, whatever. Like for some girls, it's like, oh my God, he put his hands on me. No, it was fine. Like for me, it's not okay, but it was okay, you know? 
And I remember trying to leave his apartment. He like grabbed my arm and he was like trying to not let me go. And I was just like, get off me. And I got in the car. I finally got in my car. And as I'm trying to drive away, he jumped in front of my car. So I practically nearly hit him with my car. And again, like it didn't scare me. I, I kind of thought it was funny, to be honest. Again, you know, I was, I was a young person who felt deprived of male attention in a sense and for the first time I was dating this guy that again I registered in my head jumped in front of a moving car for me because he likes me so much I mean thinking back it's like who the fuck was crazier me or him you know um but you know things like that was pretty much normal in our relationship and you know, little by little, it, it just started to get too much. It became heavy and I just couldn't do it anymore. And anytime he would promise to get better and go to rehab and, you know, but I need you in my corner and I would forgive him, things like that would happen and it would just get worse. And I think my breaking point was, oh, well, before I get to the breaking point, another thing he would do is, for example, like, let's say we got into an argument and I didn't want to talk to him anymore, he would show up at my house. And he had done that a few times already. I remember there was a night where I just completely cut him off again. I was like, you know what? I can't talk to you right now. I don't want to talk to you. Do whatever the fuck you want. Leave me alone. I'm done with this bullshit. Bye. And I remember I locked my phone. I never dared to block him. I was actually too afraid to block him uh, because I never knew like what he was capable of doing because I swear he just set the bar higher and higher and higher of his psychotic ways. So... When I did that that one night where I like completely cut him off and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I remember just being in my house and all of a sudden I hear banging on my window. And thank God I was home alone that, that night. Oh, by the way, I also lived with my mom. And thank God I was home alone that night because, or maybe not, maybe so, but he was banging on my window, scaring my cat and dog. And it was him with a bottle of liquor drunk as fuck, forcing me to come outside because he needed to talk. And I remember going outside and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? And he's like, we need to talk. We need to talk. You're pregnant. I'm like, bro, what? He's like, you're pregnant. You haven't had your period. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, I haven't had it yet. And he's like, no, you're pregnant. You need to take a pregnancy test. It's like he was so fucking crazy that his excuse to showing up at my house because I wasn't answering him was because in his fucking brain, he thought I was pregnant. He was like, I'll leave you alone, but not until you take this pregnancy test. I guess in his fucked up mind, he figured I was pushing him away because I was with child and I was not. But this is how crazy it was. This is how crazy it was. And I remember like trying to push him and God forgive me because obviously he could have been danger to anybody on the street. But all I kept thinking to myself was if my mom sees this shit, she's going to go crazy. And at the time my mom was working, well, my mom's a corrections officer. So I just didn't want to get the police involved. Like I just didn't want things to get that serious. So I just remember just keep like pushing him back in the car. Like, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. Like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I promise I'll pick up the phone. You know, like I even try to lie to him and say like, I will meet him at his house. Just leave, you know? But then when I would go back to the house, he would follow me right back. Excuse me. Oh God. He would follow me right back into the house and start banging on the window to get me to come back outside. Oh my God. It was a fucking nightmare. 
Uh, so just things like that started happening. Now, my breaking point was, I remember I was hanging out with a friend and I'm going to leave you with this last story. I mean, the break, this is the breaking point. This is when things start to really tilt over, but the, this is the break. Okay, whatever. Breaking point. So the breaking point, I remember I was hanging out with a friend of mine and her boyfriend. We were at the gym working out late night. Um, and, uh, he was blowing my phone up and again, trying to argue with me. And finally, you know, my friend now kind of being involved was like, Nicole, you need to let this go. You need to cut his ass off. Like you are way too young. He is way too old. Like shit like this isn't normal. And, and because things were getting very extreme at this point, I was like, okay, like I really can't do this anymore. Like this is getting heavy. This is getting ugly. Like I can't. So that's when I finally went off on him that night. And I was like, you know something, I don't give a fuck what you do. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And again, I locked my phone, kind of ignored it. You know, I'm at the gym with my friends. So we're talking, we're doing squats, we're whatever. All of a sudden, I noticed that my phone is going off. My phone is going off, 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 like bing, 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 like, and I had it, well, I say bing, but it, it it was on vibrate. But you know, when you get the notifications on your phone, it just keeps lighting up and lighting up. Literally, that, that was happening to my phone. So now in the restaurant that I worked at, we had a Facebook page where we would release shifts, pick up shifts, ask for favors for swaps and blah, blah, blah. And so I noticed that somebody tagged me on the Facebook page. And when I go, it was this guy, he tagged me. And now let me tell you something on Facebook, I have my full name and my full name is Nicole Angelique Acevedo. That is my full name. So on this Facebook page, this guy tagged me, okay, on this Facebook page and said, you know, at Nicole Angelique Acevedo is a fucking slut. Okay. And I remember seeing that. And at this point of me working at the restaurant, I wasn't really involved in a lot of drama. I had only been there, I want to say for about two years. And I was pretty cool with everyone. Again, you know, I'm really young. Um, but unfortunately, the people that I worked with at this restaurant was also very filled with drama. They kind of thrived on it. And so when they saw this post, some people kind of like lol that it but to be fair there were a few other people that came into my defense and was like what the fuck is this what's going on you need to take this down this is not cool and luckily the person who ran the page deleted the statement like the status and then kind of wrote as a disclaimer on the page like listen whatever the hell you guys go through outside of work keep it outside of work but don't bring it over here on the facebook page because this is solely specifically for work related things but I remember just feeling so infused with anger because I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like now you're making this shit public. You literally called me a slut on Facebook, especially now to my coworkers. So I remember like blowing his phone up and I, at this point I couldn't get through to him. And this girl that I work with, I guess kind of got involved because she reached out to him like, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? Like, why are you acting like this with her? And about like, 15 minutes later, I get a picture from this random girl. Now, when I say random girl, I don't know what the fuck she had to do with this guy. And quite frankly, in that moment, I didn't care. I didn't care who she was 
or where the fuck she came from. All she did was take a picture of this guy, passed out on the floor face first, face planted on the rug on the, in his apartment. And she goes, I know you keep trying to call him, but this is what he looks like right now. And I know, now l- listen to me, I know what it made seem like, but in that moment, I called bullshit. I called bullshit. I was like, this motherfucker wrote that fucking status to clearly get my attention, probably realized he fucked up by getting now work involved, is pretending to be passed out drunk on the fucking floor and told this girl to take a picture of him to prove that he is so intoxicated that he has no idea what's happening. And again, the reason why I'm also going to call bullshit on that is for two reasons. One, he posted this on his phone. He didn't post this on his Facebook public profile. He posted this on our Facebook page with my full fucking name. So if he was so intoxicated face first on the damn floor, how the hell with this random girl, okay, in this house of his would know to contact me directly to tell me that he was face planted on the floor. Granted, she might've seen my name on his Facebook, or I'm sorry, she might've seen my name on his phone when I called him. But my friends, my name on his phone was my first fucking name because nobody in their right mind would have my 20 letter name on their phone okay my my middle name has like nine letters in it like no like bitch how the fuck would you know it's me you know what i mean it's just i I called bullshit on it i don't need to explain myself I, i called bullshit on it okay fucking piss me off and that's when i just really knew like this person is dangerous like i i can't like like now like i really can't like i like i fucking can't and that's when i finally just needed to cut it off completely So when I came back to work, I remember still feeling very distraught, very stressed out about the whole situation. And I remember there was one shift where I just couldn't stop crying. I could have stopped crying because at this point I realized how deep in this hole I was with this guy. Like he was dangerous. He was somebody that I didn't want to be around. I didn't want to lose my job. I didn't know who to talk to. Um, Things were getting very extreme. And I remember I couldn't stop crying. And I'm sure if you work at a restaurant, we've all been there. I was crying in the freezer. And my manager was waiting outside of the freezer for me. And I remember, like, I came out of the freezer and he was just standing there. And he's like, uh, Nicole, let's, let's talk in the office. And we sat down and he was like, you know, what's what's going on? Like, you need to, you know, is everything okay? And that's when I started crying. And I said, no, it's not okay. I was like, um, I'm, I was dating this guy. And well, and again, when I say this guy, I'm referring to the guy and the guy worked with us. So clearly to my manager, I said his name. 
but for the sake of saving names, I'm saying this guy. So I told my manager, you know, I've been dating this guy and things were okay in the beginning, but now they've gotten really bad. He has a very severe drinking problem. He makes me feel like shit. He's, you know, he's harassing me on Facebook. He even called me a slut on the Facebook page. He shows up at my house very drunkly, you know, with beer bottles and liquor bottles and he makes me feel like shit. And now I'm just scared and I don't want to be here because he's here. And I didn't want to bring it up to my managers because I didn't want you guys to fire me or him uh, because of like bringing drama to the work. So I didn't know what to say. And he just gave me this wide eyed look like, wait, what? He's like, how long have you been dealing with this? And I said, well, things haven't didn't start getting bad until like two months ago. Because I mean, granted, you know, the first month we were talking, it was just texting. And then the second month, you know, clearly the red flags were there, but I sort of normalized it. But now the third month in, like things were getting very extreme. But to be fair, I was dealing with his shit for two months. And so I brought that up to my manager and he's like, look, take the night off. We're going to work something out. And he said it. He was like, look, unfortunately, we cannot do anything as far as fire him, force him to change his availability where you don't work together. Like we legally cannot get involved unless he, you know, harasses you or acts like this in the workplace. So for me, it was kind of like, okay, like fine, you know? Um, and so that's what happened. He gave me the rest of the night off. We changed my availability. So I would work the opposite schedules of him. And that was the end of it. Um, but at this point, the managers already had an eye out for him. Now, I'm not really sure what happened. I don't know if word got around because that's another thing at the restaurant I used to work at. I mean, nothing was really kept a secret. I mean, I'm sure people knew him and I were hooking up eventually. Um, you know, I'm not saying I, I was ever really good at keeping, you know, of things being kept private, especially when you work at a restaurant. Um, but I don't know if he found out. I don't know. But clearly he didn't like it because after that day, things started to get worse. He would come to my house and leave beer bottles in front of my house um, right at the driveway to pretty much show me or prove to me that he was there. He knew my login information because he had my Netflix and I kind of forgot that I had set it up for him or that I had given it to him. But at the time, my Netflix login was the same for all of my social media platforms. So he was able to hack into my Instagram account. He was able to hack into my hot schedules, which if you for those who don't know, hot schedules is an app that a lot of restaurants or businesses like to use to post schedules to post shifts for servers or for any type of worker or employees where they could give up release shifts, swap shifts, whatever. So he logged into my hot schedules and he like picked up shifts, release shifts. And I remember there was one night, one day where I was off and I was taking a nap and my manager calls me and he's like, where are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm home. He's like, no, you're supposed to be here. And I'm like, no, I'm off today. And he's like, no, you're not. You picked up a shift and I approved it and you're supposed to be here. And that's when I realized like, I have like, at the time I had a very specific availability. Like my schedule at my job at the time was very consistent. Um, and I only had pretty much like serving shifts. He like 
gave up my serving shifts to pick up food running shifts, picked up on-call shifts, which nobody would ever pick up in their right mind, but did all of the, like, he fucked up my whole schedule for the week only because he could because he had my login. So he was clearly trying to sabotage me. He logged into my Instagram account and unblocked a lot of people I already had blocked. Also reached out to my exes implying that I missed them, that I wanted to see them, that I still had feelings for them, which was fucking embarrassing. I don't know for who, for me or for my ex, because my ex was mad happy. He was like, oh my God, I miss you so much. And I'm just like, bro, what the fuck? Like, I still hate you. Like, no, this is, this is a lie. Like somebody hacked into my shit. Um, so yeah, he would do that. Um, and then even at work, like he would kind of like talk shit about me in front of me to other people. Um, it was starting, it was, he was harassing me and that's just what he was doing. And I started to keep track on a lot of things and it finally got worse because, okay. So then the final topping to it all was, I remember I was at work and at this point, you know, I changed my Instagram login. I changed everything. I'm, you know, I explained everything to the managers. Now all of the managers started to become aware of what was happening. And, um, I remember at work, he purposely picked up a shift I was working. And I remember being very upset because in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to work with him. I'm, I'm trying to avoid him at all costs. And he purposely swapped into a section that was closer to mine. And at, during the shift, he started doing this thing where every time he would pass by me, he would make this sound. What? What? Like he would pretend like he was throwing up and he would do it every time he passed me. And in the beginning, I was like, fuck, like he's really going to do this. Like, like he's really doing this right now. And he would obviously do it when nobody was around because there was no way of proving that he was doing this directly to me. But the dumbass did it in the kitchen, right? By Expo, which is where everybody is at in the restaurant. And he made the sound. And this one server that I work with, who I love very close, very much, um, she heard him. And I remember I went to the dessert area of my restaurant. And she was like, she was like, did this guy do that? Because I heard him. And I said, yeah, he's been doing that all fucking night, but he's doing it when no one's around. And she's like, well, I heard him. I heard him. Did you tell a manager? I'm like, no, I haven't told a manager because, you know, like he's not doing it when, them, when they're looking, you know, like how the fuck am I going to prove it? She's like, well, you got me to prove it. So we went up to our manager and we told him, she told him and he looked at me and he's like, Nicole, is that true? Is, he, is that what he's doing? I'm like, yeah, he's been doing it for the past two hours. And he was like, all right, don't worry. Just focus on your section. Don't worry about it. And I guess they went up to him and they cut him. They were like, okay, you know what? Finish up this round, but you got to go home. Like you're done. And obviously that pissed him off more. So I remember being in my section, pre-bussing my table and I'm carrying a bunch of plates to the kitchen and he comes up from behind me. He doesn't push me, but he comes up very close behind me and like rushes past me and calls me a fucking bitch. He's like, you're a fucking bitch. And like, as he's going into the kitchen right behind me. And at that point, that's when I blew up and I took all the plates and I threw them inside of a bus tub and he started walking to the back of the house, like where the lockers were and by the bathroom. And so I practically followed him into the kitchen 
And I, that's when I started crying. And I was like, why can't you just leave me alone? I was like, why can't you let it go and just leave me the fuck alone? Like, I don't want problems. I don't want drama. Just leave me alone. I don't understand why you keep doing this. And as I'm like screaming and crying at him, he goes into the locker room and I had a locker in there and I always kept it in the same area and he purposely started kicking it. Like he started kicking my fucking locker like a fucking child. And, and, and then I kept telling him to stop. And then eventually a kitchen manager heard me and he was like, what's going on? What's going on? I was like, he's been harassing me. And then that's when I went off and I started crying to the kitchen manager. And I'm like, he's been going off on me. He called me a fucking bitch just now in the middle of the restaurant. I was like, he's been making these sounds around me, like these disgusting sounds. He won't leave me the fuck alone. He keeps harassing me inside and outside of work. I don't understand his fucking problem. Now he's kicking my locker and he won't leave my shit alone. Like, I just, I just want to be done with this. I just want to be done with this. So they pulled me into the office. All of the managers got involved. And because the drama had been formed at this point, they ended up sending us both home. But the way they did it was they sent him home first and they waited until he left. And then a manager walked me to my car and was like, just go home. And I remember kind of being scared. Like I didn't want to go home. Um, he never, he didn't come for me. He didn't come to my house or anything like that. But, um, well, at least not yet. And at this point, um, that's when I, I go home and I'm like crying and it's just really bad. And so what happened? I want to say about, I ended up taking, oh, okay. So that's what it was. I ended up getting the weekend off because since this had happened in the restaurant, they had to get the general manager involved. This happened on a Saturday. And they said that until the GM comes in on Monday, they didn't want us to come back to work. They wanted the GM to come in and to kind of make a decision as to what was to happen to both of us. And I thought that was really fucked up because I was clearly a victim in this situation. So to know that my job was on the line, it didn't feel quite fair. But obviously it made sense for them to send us both home. Um, now... A day later, I go to my car and I remember my stepbrother was living with us at the time. He he worked overnight and I remember he came home that morning and was like, oh, Nicole, you need to fill air in your tires. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, you need to fill the air in your tires because they're really low. I, I, he's like, I came in and your car looked very low from one side. So you, you need to put air in your tires. So I'm like, oh shit. But he had came in so early in the morning that I kind of like forgot about it. So when I woke up the next day to kind of start my day to get in my car, I noticed that the tire light is on. And when I look at my tires, they're completely flat. Both of them on one side of my car. And at the time, I didn't know right away what would have caused it. Because I had one tire that had popped a few months ago. And, uh, it had been the second time it happened. So I wasn't sure if maybe the tires I bought were not good or like in my brain, like I, it wasn't registering that something had happened to my tires. So I remember I called the, the, um, the, what is it called? Or like a tow truck. Yeah. A tow truck. And, um, I called them so they could take me to the dealership to kind of get it fixed. 
And I remember when the guy comes to pick up my car, he looks at my tires and he's like, somebody slashed your tires. And I'm like, what? And he's like, look, he's like, look at your tires. And I know I said slashed, but what it looked like was somebody took a screwdriver and popped my tires. That's what it looked like because there was a hole big enough where a screwdriver could fit through. And it had been done to both of my tires and it was at the top of the wheel, not at the bottom. It was at the top. So that's how the tow, the guy that was doing the tow truck could say it. And he was like, yeah, somebody popped your tires. And then that moment, my arse started getting watery. And he kind of like looked at me and he's like, he was like, do you know who could have done this? And I just started nodding. And he's like, are you going to be okay? And I started nodding again. And I was like, just take me to the dealership. I'm going to see what I can do. I went to the dealership. Um, I remember I was kind of crying to the guy. I mean, I wasn't trying to make a fucking scene. Again, I'm 22. I'm like super emotional. And I'm like, you know, like my ex did this. Um, I don't know if I could afford like to get brand new tires. Like, is there something that could be worked out with the warranty? And luckily he looked me out and I didn't have to, like, I think I only had to pay like $70 uh, for both tires. Uh, but he was able to work something out where the warranty would cover it. And they replaced my tires. And the guy was like, look, I think you're, he's like, take a picture of these tires. Um, and he's like, but you need to tell, you need to, you need to, you need to call the cops. Like you need to get the cops involved. So I, I did just that. Uh, I got my car fixed, um, drove back home, called the cops. Two cops came to the house and I gave them a statement and I explained to them the nature of the relationship I had with this person, um, everything that had been going on, the slash tires, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they got in contact with an investigator and started asking me questions about this guy. Um, so I started kind of giving him as much information as I possibly can. Um, my neighbors that lived across the street from me to the left had cameras, but unfortunately couldn't play back that night because their cameras didn't reach as far as the front of my house. So they couldn't identify a car. And obviously there weren't any, um, evidence that was left on the grass to prove that they could take for fingerprints. Like, obviously like a lot, they couldn't prove a lot, but when I spoke to the investigator, he was like, clearly like this is serious. Um, but you know, he's not going to admit it. There's nothing to truly prove that he did it. Like even the investigator said it over the phone. He was like, listen, like, I believe you. He's like, I believe you. Um, but by law, we need to prove that he was the one who did it. And unless we can't prove it, then we technically can't charge him. So, but he did say that for the charges that I was already being pressed, that was already being pressed against him. If he were to come in contact with me or do anything, harass me, do anything, then all the charges I already have against him will be proven correct. So it was one of those things where it's just like, I mean, you could either wait around for him to do something fucked up and then call the cops on him and then something could happen. But in the meantime, like you could probably work on trying to get a restraining order so that he could just stay away from you entirely. So... Um, I remember I did that. So I remember a few days afterwards, I guess my manager had spoken to him and they ended up firing him because he threatened to shoot up the restaurant. Now the restaurant I worked at is inside of a mall. 
So obviously, you know, you're putting a lot of people in danger if you're threatening to shoot up a place. So I remember there was a shift where there was cops just circling the entire premises because of this threat that he had gave to the restaurant. So he was fired officially. He even had a restraining order against the mall that we worked at. And that was the end of him. Now, that scared me a lot because if he was willing to threaten this company and our managers, who was to say he wouldn't fucking shoot up my house or shoot up my car while I'm driving? Like, just to think that he, like, now I'm truly in danger and enforced me to get a restraining order. So I remember going to the courthouse and I had my police statement statement that I wrote from the night that he had harassed me at work where all the managers got involved, screenshots of messages that he wrote to me through like Facebook and just kind of, you know, my side of the story on why I felt like I was in danger of this person. And I remember like I went in, I submitted the paperwork, they had a mediator come in and I said my side, they said, okay, we're going to take this information. We're going to show the judge, um, come back in like around two o'clock and we'll give you like the verdict. Like we'll tell you what they say. I come back to the courthouse and the judge denied my request. They said, no, you can't like the restraining order was denied. And the reason was because it wasn't enough proof. So I'm just like, what the fuck? Not enough proof. Like, it's just, it blew my mind. Like, what do you mean not enough fucking proof? Like, this guy fucking poked my tires, harassed me at work. I got the police involved. I have, I, I'm pretty much in contact with an investigator back to back. You know, like, he's still talking shit to people that I know. Um, You know, he leaves beer bottles in front of my house. Like, I'm clearly in danger of this person. But the mediator pretty much explained to me, like, look, you know, yes, you have these, 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 this paperwork, but, you know, the police statement doesn't prove that he was the one who did it. Like, everything is like, she didn't say conspiracy. She didn't say that. But it's kind of like, there's no proof, in other words. So what she recommended was that I fill out another form of paperwork. I forgot. she. There's a name for it. But pretty much what it is, it's you fill out this form, but it breaks it down more through like the, the, the timeline of events that you have with this person. Like you're putting down dates, you're putting down time, you're putting down names, you're putting like specific points of the story. So, and that's what I did. I remember at the time I was working overnight shifts at this hotel and no lie from midnight to like, fuck, like four in the morning. All I was doing was going through my phone, saved screenshots of times on Facebook where he had wrote to me these messages. I quoted him. I printed it out. I scanned everything. When I tell you, when I showed up to this courthouse the following day with everything, I literally had a file clip that to keep everything together. I had a stack of papers, okay? I had it all on me, on me. And it even got so serious to the point where I even contacted people that I worked with asking them that if this ever were to literally go to court, if they were willing to testify with me or to defend me or to like to also kind of back me up with what I'm saying. And luckily a lot of my friends, I mean, granted there were some people that were like, 
I don't want to get involved. But then there were other people that were like, Nicole, I got you. Let me know when and where I'll be there for you. So I'm very grateful for those people. Um, but I remember like, I just had, I was prepared. I had everything. And again, it was like the same thing. Gave them the paperwork, told me to come back like around two o'clock. And when I did, the mediator tells me, the judge denies it because you don't have enough proof. And I remember just looking back at her and I was just like, are you serious? Like, I couldn't believe it. And I literally looked at her and I, st and I started crying and I was like, so what, what am I going to have to wait for? Am I going to have to wait until he puts his hands on me for you guys to realize that I'm in danger of the, like that this, like I'm in danger because of this person. The mediator deadass looked at me and just shrugged her shoulders like, hmm. you know, like that high shrug where your shoulders hit your fucking earlobes and you're just like, hmm. you know, like that. She just shrugged her shoulders. And in that moment, I realized how fucked up the system is. And I remember just like leaving and I got in my car and I just cried so hard. Like, like, bro, I, I felt scared. I thought I was going to have to move. I thought I was going to have to like live a new life somewhere else because this person was so unpredictable. I did not know what this person was going to do. And I just prayed. And listen, I know that my story is, could be very similar to other people's stories and I personally know girls that have dealt with things similar to this that was 10 times more extreme than my story that led to more turn of events. Um, and I'm not saying that praying helps for everybody, but all I knew what to do in that moment was to pray to God. And I did. And I just prayed. And it made me realize, you know, like whenever you see stories on the news on girls that stab their boyfriends or hit them with their car or do crazy things like, I don't know, maybe for the sake of clickbait and news stories, you see that and you think, oh, the bitch is crazy. But then it sometimes it has to make you think like, okay, well, was she scared? Did she try to 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 get away from this person did she try to get the system involved only for them to fail her so she felt that the only way she could take matters of it in her own hands was to do that you know like it just it really put things in perspective for me and and it's why to this day anytime anybody anybody fucking tells me that a girl oh, my ex is crazy, or she did this or she did that. Literally, my first response is, okay, but what did you do? Okay, but why did she do that? Like, for what reason? Granted, I've heard stories about girls that do shit out of spite. I totally get that. I'm not defending all crazy women. But in a situation like I was in, in my mind, I already felt like I needed to do something extreme just to protect myself because the system wasn't going to protect me. And sure, maybe there were holes in my story in the sense that I needed to prove that he was in fact the one who slashed my tires or that maybe the case wasn't strong enough to put a restraining order. But just as a backstory, not a backstory, but I knew this girl, okay? Her parents has money and I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to tell you where she's from. 
I'm just going to say she has money. She dated a guy. According to her, and, uh, and I say according to her because this is as much information as she was telling me. Was there more to the story that she didn't tell me? I don't know. I don't know. But from the story that she told me, her man or her ex stole money from her father. And that's the reason why they were putting a restraining order against him because of that reason, because they didn't trust him. They felt he was dangerous and he was a thief. She went to the courthouse with her parents and the restraining order was approved. I go in to the courthouse with a stack of fucking papers with police reports, statements, screenshots, proof that I've been harassed by this person with names, times, and dates. And the fucking judge says, not enough proof. It really makes you think. And it's really fucked up. <sighs> but needless to say, from that point on, I had never heard from him ever again. And that was, that was that. Never heard from him again. And I remember talking to the investigator and he was like, you know, um, no matter how much time passes from here until then, if this guy does anything, literally, he could call you a bitch in public. You have every right to call the cops and to report it. And all of the charges you try to press against him will automatically become valid. Because clearly he's not stopping. And that's that. That's that. I don't know if maybe the investigator got in contact with him because, I mean, legally they were supposed to. You know, he tried to say like, oh, you know, I didn't do it. And, oh, I, I hope you find the guy that did that. You know, like the investigator told me. He told me straight up. He was like, I know it was him. He's like, I've been doing this for years. I, I know it was him. You know, but by law, you have to prove it. And at that time, there was no way of proving it. So, I don't know, maybe blessing in disguise, who, who knows. But from that moment on, um, I never heard of him. Or, well, I wouldn't say heard of him because I did. Um, but he never spoke to me. He never talked to me. He had been fired from the restaurant. So I didn't have to work with him anymore. But I'm not going to lie, for months, there were times where I was afraid to go home. I was afraid that I was going to go to my car and find beer bottles again. I was afraid of going to work and walking to my car in the parking lot and seeing him there waiting for me or showing up at my house in the middle of the night. Um, he was always in downtown. So there was a time where I didn't even like going down. I, to be honest with you, six years later, I still don't like going downtown. Have I been downtown? Sure. I've had fun times in downtown still, but there are certain bars I don't go to because I'm afraid he's going to be there. There are certain times of the night where I get very uncomfortable and I get anxiety and I just want to go home because I'm afraid that I'm going to run into him or he's going to show up somewhere. Um, the area he lives in, I don't like being around. Like, for example, like I went, I had a doctor's appointment today and I made an appointment with a doctor and they were like, oh, if you want to see this person on this day, they're going to be in this location if you want to go there instead. And, and, and mind you, this was this morning. And I was like, no, thank you. I was like, no, 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 no. When are they free again? Like six years later and I'm still like, I get very stressed out. Like I still have anxiety because stuff like that doesn't go away. Like, yeah, sure, you know how to manage it. But 
I will always have it in the back of my mind that he's going to show up at any moment. And, you know, I did hear of him through other people. I guess at one point he tried to get his life on track. And I don't know if maybe he wanted he wanted me to know by telling other people so that other people would tell me. But I would get very upset and literally scream at people and say, I don't want to hear nothing about this person. I was like, I swear to God. Like, I would get very furious. Like, I, I would get red if anybody even said his name around me. Like, I wanted, I wanted nothing to do with him. <sighs> and that concludes my story on the time this guy slashed my tires. Wow. To go down memory lane like that definitely triggered a lot of emotions, but I'm glad I spoke about it and I told this story because... In some ways, I think that it's important to really pay attention to those red flags the way that I should have in the beginning that I chose not to pay attention to. Um, but it is a story I do, I don't mind talking about only because I learned a lot of lessons. And I don't know, maybe this story could help another person who is in a similar situation that thinks they may have control over it, but might not because... Anytime you think you do, you really don't. But to be fair, I would really love it if you guys could let me know if you could relate to the story, if you've dealt with something similar. I want to know. Give me the tea because I'm here to give you all the tea. Thank you so much for listening in. I can't wait to talk to you next time. Next episode, I'm going to be talking about how I'm almost 30 without a college degree. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to it, so stay tuned. I love you guys. I adore you already. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>